Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Yeah, that'll take some time. It'll take, I mean, in, in scouting, we say it takes three years. Um, I'd like to know tomorrow. But, um, you know, it'll, it'll take a year or two just to see, who, again, who develops, who jumps out real quick, who takes a little bit of time. Um, so it'll take a little bit of time. Uh, I don't know if I have a specific number that I want to hit to make sure. I hope they all do. Um, but we'll see how it goes. That was Ryan Poles talking about the draft that has been completed. The Bears have a new draft class. And so this week we talked with people and had them break it down. Alex Brown broke it down for us. I've been talking a little bit about it. I love to dispatch Dan Durkin to watch film because I know that he takes it seriously. He's actually joining us on the Twitch today, too. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. If you want to hang out with me and Dan as we talk Bears on our very Bearsy show that we're doing. He also joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You should be following him if you love football at all. At DJ Durkin is where you can find him. The All-22 Review on YouTube. And now Dan Durkin joins me here on The Score. Dan, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Lawrence. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so happy Good. that you were available and that you had a chance to to kind of look at this. Overall, before we get into individuals, overall, what did you think of what the Bears did on draft days? Uh, I liked it. I mean, you and I, I, I kind of recalled back on some of the conversations that you and I had, uh, you know, in season last year and just how often the secondary came up in those conversations. Just, uh, each team picking a seemingly different person each week to pick on. And so I really do commend what the Bears have been able to do in one offseason. That's just completely reshaped their secondary, which is so essential in, in this day and age. I think that you're learning and seeing more and more that uh, coverage is becoming king when it comes to really being able to contain an offense. And so when you're dealing with the likes of you know Aaron Rodgers and you know Justin Jefferson, people like that in your division – I think it's really essential that they move away from, you know, the Kindle Vildors of the world and, you know, people like that. And so um, really like what I've seen from, from Kyler Gordon on, on, on film, uh, Jaquan Brisker as well, Tavon Young in free agency, Thomas Graham looked good in, in spurts last year. So 
Um, given what Iberfus likes to do on, on defense, so much of that is predicated on the secondary and being able to mix and match. He likes to bring pressure from different angles. So uh, kudos for them uh, yeah, you're rebuilding the secondary in, in one offseason, which is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, they still, I think, need an ass-kicking nickel, especially with all the teams that are in 11 personnel. But I thought it was a good start. But I'm also – I'll deal with my existential crisis about the Bears draft a little bit later. I, what When you looked at the tape of, of Kyler Gordon, what did you see? Yeah, man, uh, excellent recovery. And, and what I mean by that is uh, anytime he takes a false step, he's able to – he's got great body control. So if he does take a false step or if somebody – you know, when you're a defensive back, you're, you're reading a, a receiver's hips. And so, you know, you really have to concentrate on that while you keep an eye on the quarterback. So it's very challenging, a lot of peripheral vision. So they're going to be wrong. They're going to be wrong throughout, like, the pattern matching process. But uh, what, what stood out for me was just excellent recovery, really twitchy athlete. And uh, sturdy, when it came to his build, he looks different. You know, when, and what I mean by that is just, like, he's more stout. He's really thick through his lower half. So he just looks different for a defensive back. And, um one of the things that I found interesting is he doesn't press a lot with his hands, but he will come up and challenge a receiver. And so he's not really like, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson likes to get his hands. He's very handsy with, with opposing receivers. Gordon's not that way. He'd rather kind of mirror and, and flip his hips and run with them. But um, I, I thought that he was really, really strong when it came to um, uh, just being able to recover if he was like off in, in, in the pattern and, uh, I, I think he never allowed a touchdown in, in however many starts that he made. Um, a couple knocks that, that I, I saw on tape that I think he needs to work on. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a shoulder tackler, which in the, in the open field could be a bad thing. So you'd like to see him wrap up a little bit more. But um, the no touchdowns allowed and the no penalties allowed, I think, goes a long way. That's hard to do, especially when you're getting beat. But um, he looks different in terms of, like, his physicality. He, he's well-built. He's sturdy. He's got excellent speed. He's got great recovery speed. Uh, gets his hands on a lot of footballs in there. So um, I think now that they have a really strong, young tandem of cornerbacks to work with. Jaquan Brisker, the second-round pick out of Penn State. I, I think that he might be my favorite of the draft picks coming in. What does he look like when you turn on the tape? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you think about – I've been spending a lot of time, like, looking at Eberflus's scheme and then, like, where the Bears were deficient. And so, like, that helps me kind of understand um, why they prioritized what they did. And so when you look at Brisker um, – I think he's a box safety. I think he's going to be a really strong box safety. I, I, that, that's just really what stood out to me when I went back and watched his tape at Penn State. He is excellent in run support. He, he is not, not afraid to stick his nose in there. Um, he's not as explosive athletically as, as uh, Kyler Gordon is, but, um, and he's not going to be that rangy, you know, like I'm going to chase the guy down sideline to sideline, but um, really strong when it comes to um, being inserted either weak or strong into, into the formation and really getting his nose on the ball. So I, I like that a lot. Another guy, no penalties. And, and so um, when, when you look at Eberflus's scheme and the importance and the criticality of the safety position, um, he, he doesn't blitz a lot, but what, when he does blitz, he's typically, you know, blitzing from like a mug look, trying to single up one of his defensive ends, but he likes to use his safeties as well. So I think that Brisker is going to be really strong when it comes to that part of it. And, and then the, the fact that I said he's not a, you know, like a premier top shelf athlete, that's fine. Cause I think that he's strong enough to, to definitely pattern match with a tight end. And so 
I, I do agree with you uh, in terms of like he, he to me is again another day one starter with it. When you go back and watch Penn State film, he always seemed to be the guy that was making a play for that defense when they needed it in really crucial moments. So that to me speaks to like you know not not caving to the pressure of the situation, football awareness, football intelligence, all of those types of things, and then just making the play when it comes your way. So um, really like those two additions right off the rip. I think they got two two immediate day one starters, which is you know really all you can ask for with your with your two second round picks. Those two guys plus Jalen Johnson, how do you think that impacts the type of play that we should see from Eddie Jackson now? Yeah, you know, it's going to be really interesting because I'm wondering how, um, like, what the conversations have been like between Eberflus and and Eddie Jackson. Um, Just in terms of Eddie has not been the same guy since, since he signed his deal. And, and so I'm wondering if a new coach with new accountability might be able to get a, a different level of play out of him. But uh, when you look at the success of Iberflus' scheme, it comes down to knowing your assignment, being where you, you need to be on the field, but making plays when, when, when the ball is there. And so I think getting, getting Eddie Moore in that ball hawking, you know, perched over the top role is going to suit him well rather than having him be the one that needs to insert himself weak or strong into the, the offensive formation. But um, I think there's some interchangeability too because, as I mentioned before, he does like to bring his safeties up and blitz. And I think Eddie's a pretty good blitzer. And so I think that um, I liked how the Bears tinkered with Eddie in the slot last year. So I think that he could be that versatile piece in the back end now that he has other parts that are going to be, you don't have to be as worried about, you know, singling up Gordon, like you don't need to give him as much help or you don't need to give Jalen help. So it gives you a lot of versatility when you don't feel like you're always incumbent on, hey, we need to be too high on this one because we could get a leak on this side because of Jalen or a leak on this side because of Kyler. I don't think that's going to be the case. The Bears didn't have that luxury last year. They had to play a lot of those, you know, like, you know, too, too deep looks just to account for the fact that there's a good chance somebody's going to get beat over the top. And so we need to make sure that we have some help over there. So how he uses his safety is going to be really interesting. I, I think that there's some mis, misconceptions too, just about Iberflus' scheme in general. He's not a Tampa two guy. They do run some Tampa two. They are a cover two primary. That's their primary shell, I would say. But um, he, he does a lot of safety rotations. I, I thought one, one of the, the cooler things that I saw um, is you know how the offense typically will use motion or they'll use shift as their, their mechanism to get um, coverage indicators from the defense. Near the end of his tenure with, with Indianapolis, which speaks to you know working with the same people over those few years, he would, when teams would motion, he would run somebody with them to make, you know, to give the illusion like, oh, this is man, and they'd play his own shell behind it. Now all of a sudden you flipped it on the offense. So I, it's going to take time because you have a lot of youth in the secondary now. But um, I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see some really creative coverage come out of there. And it, again, it has to do with getting more pieces in there that can complement people like Eddie and allow him to do what he does well. When you look at Valus Jones Jr., how do you think he will be used by the Bears? Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's an interesting one. Um, I, I think that he could be an immediate day one kick and punt returner, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, him with a, a patch of grass in front of him, he is, he is like really, really fast, like exceptionally fast. You can, you can see it. And um, difficult to bring down in the open field. So I see uh, immediate you know, contributor, if not the, the, the starter as the kick and punt returner. So you have a, a win from a special teams perspective. 
Now, when it comes to his route running, he ran a very, very limited route tree at, at, at Tennessee. So that's the caution here. When, when you go back and, and look at his film, it was pretty basic. You know, slants, um, go routes, you know, now routes or stop routes. Um, you know, you saw some, some digs, but really limited. And, and maybe that's just what they wanted him to be in the scheme. And so now what, what does that mean for, um, you know, the Getsy and like how he wants to use him? I think he can be um, really strong in their RPO package. You know, if you do give um, the, the defense something to think about, he could be that, that quick guy in the backside that you're running the slant with. Um, he can be, I think, very effective on jet sweeps. So um, I, I see him more as a plus contributor right off the bat on special teams with a small package of plays primarily driven off of their RPO scheme as far as his immediate contributions as a receiver. I think that he has a ways to go in terms of really refining um, his route running because um, you, know, we'll, you can only run around people for so for so long. I mean, you have to eventually be able to um, deceive, and you need to be able to um, you know break or create separation from a defensive back based on how you can set them up with your feet. I don't think he's there just yet, but uh, in terms of the raw athleticism, very very high. And so um, they, that that kind of brings me back to like I, I think one of the narratives that came out of the draft that was really interesting to me was how bothered people were by um, the fact that they didn't go for a receiver earlier, or if they didn't go for a receiver in free agency. And how that might be some sort of like indicator of they don't believe in fields. I view it exactly the opposite. I view it as these are, I think that the team fully recognizes where they are at in their development right now. And fields is their guy. Don't forget, they have the fifth year option with him as well. Next year will be really about like figuring out which aspects of the scheme he runs best and really kind of figuring out how you're going to curate the offense around him. And then you go for, you know, when, whether it's in free agency or with your first pick next year, then you go and find the receiver that he really needs. He does need a dependable guy that's going to be able to, to get him catches. I think Darnell Mooney might be able to be that a little bit, but to me, Darnell Mooney is probably best as like a two or a three. And so I don't view any of the moves or the lack of moves that were made as a wide receiver as anything correlated to the team's belief in, in Justin Fields. I actually view it in the opposite. So Valus Jones, see him as a special teams contributor right off the rip, but um, I, I think they will be able to carve a small, small package primarily off the RPO scheme for him to, to succeed in. Dan, I got 30 seconds left. Out of the rest of the guys that were drafted or free agents, is there anyone that you like? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that uh, of one, I, I think they're going to potentially find a right guard in this group. Uh, Zach Thomas from uh, San Diego State is a guy that stood out to me because he's played left tackle, he's played right tackle, he's played guard. He's He played in a primarily zone-based running scheme. And so I think that he's a guy I would keep an eye on as being in the mix for that right guard spot, which to me is the most glaring need currently on the offensive line. So he's the one that I would pencil in as a potential contributor right off the bat or at least in the mix for that role as a starter. Dan, as always, I appreciate it. You do a great job of breaking down the tape. People love when you come on and give us your insight into what you're seeing. Thank you so much for joining me today, and let's talk again during the offseason. Absolutely. Be well, Lawrence. Good to see you. That is Dan Durkin. Follow him on Twitter, at DJ Durkin, man. That guy, he, he crushes tape, man. He crushes tape. So show him some love on Twitter. Ask him questions, at DJ Durkin. He will answer them. In great detail, as you saw. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.